Hope you're doing well today. It's a special day in a couple different ways this morning. Um, and I uh, want to say something about those first. I know that uh, it is Juneteenth today, uh, and so we're glad to celebrate that, celebrate what that moment uh, represents for black freedom uh, and what it means, what it represents, not just for things that are totally finished, but what it means for the world that we're moving towards a world of uh, freedom and equality. Uh, and we just want to say, I just want to say to everybody, happy Juneteenth, and I appreciate uh, what Central is at work doing trying to bring about um, more of the good stuff and trying to push against the dark stuff, okay? I got to go yesterday with uh, Nisi and her family, spend a little bit of time down at the uh, street festival just over here on Ninth Street. Am I pointing in the right direction? I get confused still. Yes, I think that's right. And uh, we had a great time together. Uh, and listen, I want to tell you that anything that we can do to spend time together, give my number, call me. The Hovatters are ready to play. Okay? So that was, I appreciate Nisi, you guys coming out, and uh, Ian, your family too, uh, and spending that time with us. And uh, we are, we have, I have talked with our kids. I don't know if they're all on board, but we have said, hey, for these next couple of months, we are going to say yes. So y'all ask us to do all kinds of crazy stuff, and we're going to say yes, okay? Because we're, we're ready to, to keep building relationships as much as we can. It's also Father's Day, uh, and uh, I, that's a little uh, strange for me today because my oldest kids aren't here yet in Little Rock, so, uh, but they sent me some very nice text messages. I know that came from the heart, um, as, as the teenagers do. Uh, I was glad to have those this morning and snuggle up with my littles. Deacon and Lucy are here. We've had a good time. Happy Father's Day to those of you um, who are in that place uh, and uh, appreciate so many men in this church that represent uh, what is good about fatherhood and trying to do your best to, to shepherd your children uh, and your families in the way of God. Uh, really, uh, some of my favorite dads in the world are in this church, and I appreciate that. And I know that's complicated for some of us. I know some of us have complicated relationships with our fathers. Uh, there's a lot of broken relationships in the world. And so sometimes when days like this roll up on the calendar, um, they're, they're sweet for some of us and they're bitter for some of us. And sometimes it's somewhere in between. And we kind of wrestle with those relationships and think about how to, how to make them better. So wherever you are on that spectrum today, uh, may God be with you. I hope it's a day that you can prayerfully reflect on your role in the world and also what it means for us to be a community uh, that, that brings about more light in the world in that area. Some of us today here, there are some of dads, this is the third thing I want to mention before we really jump into the sermon. There are some dads here that are, I'm not the only dad that's missing their kids. And some of those that are here today that don't have their kids with them is because they're up at Uplift. And uh, uh, some of those kids are at camp over at Harding this week. Our youth ministry has a bunch of kids up there uh, and they're, they're working on paying attention to God. Uh, in their space. I want us to open, before we go, jump into the sermon, I want us to say a special prayer for the kids, uh, for our young people that are up at Harding today, uh, and uh, also just for the rest of the summer. It's a big time, man. It's a hard, hey man, it's not easy being a teenager, is it? Come on, church. It's not easy being a teenager, is it? Oh man, it's tricky, and sometimes it's uh, sometimes it can be a lot of fun, and sometimes it can be really hard. Let's be a church that remembers to pray for our kids, pray for the things that are happening as they're growing up, 
Uh, we want them to uh, be followers of Jesus and learn what that means. Uh, so let's all let's all pray to God uh, right now. And just I want to I want to really encourage you this week especially to pray for the kids while they're up at camp. Pray for them while they're at Uplift. And let's pray that the Lord will be working on their hearts. Let's pray together. Oh, giver of all good things, we recognize that young people in our midst are a treasure and a great gift. From the young children, from the babies, uh, all those elementary kids to the teenagers, we are so grateful that Central is a place that has a lot of young people. And today, especially, oh God, we pray that you would be with our teenagers especially those that are up at camp this week, up at Uplift. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in their hearts, in the relationships between them. Oh God, would you by your Spirit reach them with the love of Jesus, teach them your way, and shape them so that they may be salt and light in the world. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So I want to give you, uh, and I don't know if, you, if you're note takers, or which of you are, are or not, but you may want to get a pencil out. I want to give you a quick recipe today as we start out. Tell you something that I like to make, a favorite dish that I prepare sometimes. It's pretty easy, okay? Max, you get, no? Okay, you, just, you think you can remember it. Okay, okay, all right, here you go. Yeah, the phone's a good fine way to do that. All right, so here's what I do. You ready? I get out a nice little pan, and I spray the bottom of it with a little olive oil. If I'm feeling really fancy, maybe the coconut oil. And then I go to my fridge, which I've already prepared to do this, and I'll get a nice defrosted big old chicken breast. Okay, and I'll go and I'll put that in the pan. And I'll take it and I'll put it in the oven at about 350 degrees and I'll cook it for about 35 minutes. I'll check for temp and make sure it's safe. And I pull it out and I'll cut that thing up and then I feed it to my dog. <laughs> and that's the only person in our house that I'm feeding a chicken breast that I haven't put any seasoning on that is the only way that, I, that the only person in our house is going to eat that, right? Okay? Now, some of y'all are like, wait, that's exactly the way I like my chicken. But most of us, now, if I'm making it for myself or I'm making it for Deacon or Lucy or Micah or Izzy or Kelly or if I'm making it for you to come to my house and eat, I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to put some seasoning on it, right? I'm going to put some flavor on that thing before I put it in the oven. But I don't even know if dogs like that or not. So I don't do it for it when I make it for my dog. My dog, sometimes I take her on, when I take her to, you know, we're still training her. She's a big old puppy. And so I like to take a little couple pieces of chicken and put a little bag, take it with me. And I tell her, good dog, you know, while we're walking. And she's, hopefully she's being good. Sometimes I lie to her and give it to her anyways, okay? My dog likes that plain old chicken. I want something that's got some flavor to it. In the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus gives us the Beatitudes, he tells, looks at his disciples, and he speaks to them and says, you are what? You're the salt of the earth. And then he says, and you better have some taste to you. 
Because if you, if the salt has lost its saltiness, if it's lost its taste, if it's lost its flavor, it ain't good for nothing but to be thrown out, just to be part of the stuff that you throw out on the, on the path, right? Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And he tells them, a city that's on a hill cannot be hidden, right? Neither do people light a lamp. Put it under a bushel basket. He says to them, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good works and give glory to God, your father, who is in heaven. Jesus speaking to his disciples in the middle of this kind of prologue. He's got a long, the Sermon on the Mount has a long prologue, like all good sermons do. And it is trying to set the stage for all the things that Jesus is going to teach us about what it means to live as righteous people. And here he's speaking to us of part of the purpose of that. Your righteousness, your good deeds that are going to bring glory to God should be a way of affecting the people around you. They should have some kind of effect on the world in which you live. Jesus says, you, my disciples, y'all are the flavor. Now, of course, salt is used for other purposes, especially in the ancient world, used to be a preservative, helping things maintain their usefulness on in the time. Make sure they're healthy, not dangerous. Jesus says, though, in this this passage, he says, you are that salt. You're the flavor. You are the preservative. You are the thing that makes the world have something good tasting to it. Makes it healthy. Keeps it from being destructive and unhealthy. You are the salt. Yesterday when uh, we, were, we were in our house, just a couple of days now, and uh, Leslie Cooper came over, helped us unpack a little bit. Uh, and while Leslie, when Leslie came over, she was helping unpack some of the boxes in our kitchen. I cannot tell you how many of those boxes were labeled cups. It is unreal. <laughs> Leslie came over. Elsa and Eva were playing around with our littles. It was really helpful for uh, Lucy and Deacon to have some buddies there, you know, as we kind of land in this new spot. Leslie's packing for a while. She unpacked the box, and it was nothing but like vases, right? And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. Those go somewhere. She unpacked another box. It was like the fifth box of cups. She said, where do these go? I was like, I think they go over here. She unpacked another of the kitchen boxes, all these, all these you know, the, the right kitchen on them, right? She unpacks another kitchen box, and it says spices. And I was like, yeah! Now we can cook something worth eating, right? Now we can cook. Now we can make food with flavor. I had a friend. His name was Dale Lyons. He was my, my friend Banks' dad. And Dale used to say, he's, man, he was such a funny dude. He used to say when he would pray, he would always have things he would tell us while we, we were praying. Pray for the food at the beginning of the meal. And he'd say, sometimes when I pray, I look at my food And I tell God, God, thank you that my food 
has, is made up of all different kinds of color. He said all of our food could just be tan. But instead, we've got some red food and some green food. I don't know if there's very much blue food, but you guys get the, the thing, right? And he would say, blueberries, yeah. So, you know, he said, they're, they're, I love that, that it, like our food has beauty to it, right? I thought about Dale a lot in that when he would say that when I pray for my food. Hope you think about it today, this afternoon when you eat lunch. Sometimes when I pray for my food, I like to bow particularly close to it. Not out of sheer humility, mind you, but I feel like when I'm close to my food and the smell is coming up, you know, I feel like it makes me more grateful, <laughs> you know? I, I, I feel gratitude that the things that we eat have a beauty to them, a, a beauty of sight, a beauty of taste and smell, a beauty of flavor. Isn't that part of the wonderful thing of getting to eat food, right? Jesus says, you are part of what makes the world beautiful. You're part of what brings light into the world. You're part of what brings it some flavor. You are the flavor. And you are the shine. Jesus gives us this role in this mission in the world. It's connected to some of the stuff that he's already told us about the good life, okay? We said last week that part of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is teaching us what, it, what the good life really looks like, okay? Here, though, we're kind of knocking on something just a little bit different. It's not just that we receive something of the good life ourselves. It's that we also take on a certain kind of posture to life, to the good life. A posture towards it in relationship to the rest of the world. Now, there are lots of ways that we can describe what that posture looks like in the way that we present life to the world. Here's a few of the words that I kind of came up with. We want to live our life. We receive our life with great gratefulness and thanksgiving. We want to explore life, the good life. We want to really get out there, not just assume that we understand what it means, like really receive it and, and explore life. Share it, honor. I put honor on here twice because it's a typo. <laughs> we are a people in our value of life. We preserve life. We protect life. We continue to honor life. Oh, I hate doing that. We nurture life. And we serve life. We serve the force of life in the world. We serve life because we serve the giver of life, right? And all of that is, is part of our, all of this together is part of our posture towards life that we're presenting to the world. Because we're people of life. We're people who have received life and who then want to kind of share that and nurture that and serve that life wherever we find it, wherever we find it in our neighborhood, whether that's downtown here and over on Ninth Street, okay, whether we find it in that 
neighborhood or whether it's in one of the other communities that Central represents as we're kind of flung all around this metro area, right? We want to be people in all those places who are receiving life and experiencing it ourselves, but also who are sharing and preserving and protecting and honoring that life in all of, all of those places. In order to be people that do that, we want to constantly be seeking how we can make a difference. How we can make a difference in the life of our city. This place. Now, we're going to work broadly too, okay? I know that Central is also trying to figure out what it means to make a difference over in Accra, Ghana, okay? And I think the Bills are doing a good job of doing that. I got to see Nathan, by the way, last week um, in Walmart. I know that's a surprising turn of events. It was for me too. Um, but we got to talk. I got to talk with one of his friends who's a li librarian there at the school at HCC. Some of you guys are going, what's he talking about? Uh, Nathan and Jenny Bills and their family are part of Central's mission team, part of Central's missionary team. They work in Accra, Ghana. And Nathan is a part of a teacher in a school there. and a, He's a professor in a university that's trying to help make a difference for life in that part of the world. But not just there, also down in Arequipa, Peru, right? Jeremy and Katie, I did not see Jeremy in Walmart. Um, Hopefully we get to we'll all get to see them some at the end of this year when they come to visit. Um, something you may not realize is that both uh, Central and Cedar Lane, the church that we came from, both of those churches sponsored both the Bills and the Daggett's. It's kind of like one of those weird twists in our time here. Jeremy told me that he was like one of the only people that could say, you're still my preacher. <laughs> But they're trying to make a difference in the life of those cities. But here, we're also committed to making a difference in the life of this city, in this community, in this place. Now, when we talk about Jesus' mission, the mission that he gives us to be salt and light, it's one of, again, those phrases that can be so uh, familiar to us. Of course, we're the self of the, of course, we're the light of the world. And it can be kind of one of those, you know, 10,000 feet kind of ideas that feels so kind of generic, right? Like, it's, it's, you know, it's something that you kind of want to do. But how does that break into specifics? Like, what does it look like to actually do that? And so today, uh, something that I want to do is a little bit different is I want to invite up um, Joanna and Brian. Y'all come on up. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of one of the things that Central's been doing to try to make a difference in the life of the city here. Uh, and that's some of our work in, in a ministry uh, that you guys call, we call, I guess stop saying you guys, us, that we call Adopt-A-Block, right? And, uh, and we want to kind of talk about that a little bit because I think it's right in the space of this idea of making a difference in the life of the city. We got some pictures of some of the stuff that's happened. Uh, appreciate Travell uh, putting that together for us while, um, you know, so that you, you, this just be playing while we talk about this for a little bit. Hey, how's it going? All right, so to just kind of break the ice a little bit because I know it's awkward to go from like being over there to being right now. Um, what's your favorite um, spice or seasoning? Garlic powder. Probably. Garlic powder. Okay, I can get with that, actually. I'm okay with that. Um, Brian, you have a favorite spice? Paprika, garlic powder, and paprika. Paprika, garlic powder, 
and pap paprika. Okay, that's that's great. Um, <laughs> I know I didn't put that on the list of no. questions I was going to ask you. So sorry for the curveball. They have like these things that they're prepared for, and then all of a sudden we're talking about spices. I'm sorry, it's cayenne. Cayenne. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. You get you under three thinking a little bit. Uh, my favorite, by the way, is a, a seasoning called Pappy's that uh, we put on uh, stuff. We'll talk about that another day. So, Joanna, okay, so I know that even for myself, when I started paying attention to like Central's social media feeds and the things that we would watch, we would watch the Facebook feed for church, and I would hear the phrase adopt a block like all the time. But um, and if you're new here, you may be like me and you don't really know what that means or what that really represents. So can you kind of give us a, a little quick rundown about what kinds of things we're talking about in the adopt a block ministry? So in general, we're, we're mainly talking about going out and trying to build relationships in our own community. And this is just by like showing up on a consistent basis. So we've been doing it for um, over a year now. So this is our year mark, probably last month or the month before, um, and just getting to know them better. So while we're there, we always try to do a couple of core things. And then we get to talk to people, serve, and sometimes that leads to additional things that we can do for people in the community. So by, and by community, you mean the community really close to where Central is located here, right? Yeah, so we aim for the community that's right over by MLK because it's literally right up the road and around the corner. Um, that school, MLK, is really close, and then that neighborhood is basically the closest one to this church building. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, so uh, so that's, tell me, can you tell me a little bit, what are, what are some of the core things that you do? You say you have a couple of things you do every time, you know, yeah. what, what's that? So we always um, try to go out and knock on doors while they're, we're there. So we go out in teams into the neighborhood and month after month, if you've come consistently, we try to send those same people out to the same spots so that you're knocking on the same doors, you're starting to learn names and those people are recognizing your face and understanding that we're from Central. So we let them know who we are. We always invite them to join us at the park because we're doing stuff at the park as well. Um, while we're out, we always try to pick up trash. This kind of seems like a mundane and unimportant thing, but it really has started to show the community that we're there and we care about their um, neighborhood. And it's one of the things that as they've become comfortable coming to the um, park to join us, that they mention and they're like, oh, you guys are the people that are picking up trash. Thank you for doing that. And um, we also, always have a group that is at the park ready to serve food and talk with whoever comes. And recently we've started incorporating a Bible lesson for whatever kids join us at that park. Um, and our main goal, however, is just to build relationships and show the love of Christ, even if those people never actually step foot into Central's church building. Yeah, so actually getting to know people. Yeah, right, yeah. okay, great. All right, very good. And um, can you, all right, so we've got this thing today, we're talking about being salt and light. Um, can you talk about like how you think about this ministry in those terms? Like, what is what does that mean? What are you hearing in the salt and light thing as you kind of think about it in terms of the adopted block stuff? I think actually what mainly crosses my mind is his command to go out into all the earth. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I for a long time thought that would mean going to a different country and serving, but God shut some of those doors for us and opened us to stay here in Little Rock and. Um, we firmly believe that we still need to go out into the world. And so wherever we are, there we're going to serve. And there we want to show the love and light of Jesus. And so adopt a block, we hope, is a reflection of that command. Yeah, okay, that's great. Um, Brian, do you have anything that you want to add there in terms of like the salt and light stuff? Or like how does that 
it has just been so awesome to watch. Like when we scraped and painted the house last fall, when so many members of the community would come over and work beside us, mm -hmm. which just surprised us. We were not expecting that at all. And there's, there's just no doubt that the consistency of this group that has been there every month, plus some other stuff involved with the MLK school and everything that we're not just passing by. They know that we are there to make a difference, mm. that we're not just trying to do something easy, that we're in for the long haul and, um, and they appreciate it. Yeah. So, Brian, you mentioned this moment of like scraping the house, you, you get preparing that stuff, and then people are coming through. And that, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys is like, if you can kind of describe for everybody here, um, like, is, is there a moment that really represents this kind of thing to you? And maybe that's yours, Brian, but like, what is, is there a moment that kind of, where you kind of said, you know what, this is kind of what it's all about, or this is why we're here, or that kind of rep represented the kind of heart of all this for you? Yes, I've got a couple moments specifically, but there's a lot. Once you start going, like those moments kind of hit you repeatedly. repeatedly. Yeah. Um, so the main one, though, is like really when we were in the beginning stages of the ministry. Um, I'd actually gotten the idea for Adopt-A-Block from a couple of our friends, Kristen and Mylan, and they're doing an Adopt-A-Block on the other side of town. And so I went and I tried to get some ideas for them from them to see what ours would kind of look like. And so Kristen was giving me some pointers that day. And she said that the most important thing is to meet um, the person of peace in the community. And, or that's just kind of like a point of contact, somebody that knows everybody. Um, so knowing that person and getting them to back what you're doing will make the community have a lot more trust in you and what you're planning on doing. So their person was a crossing guard who knew everybody who was going over to their um, apartment complex. And, she came to every adopted block. And so I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if we're actually going to find that person and how long is it going to take and how are we going to find that person? But on literally our first day out, we were sending out teams to go walk in the community and Cody met the person of peace. Um, it, she actually wasn't very hard to find because she is already out there doing things on a daily basis, trying to make the community a better place. And her name's Shed. You've probably heard us mention her a couple of times, but um, she's... Uh, knows everyone, and she immediately saw us as a partner to help grow and serve that community. So that really helped us see that there's literally something going on here, a need for us in the community, and it felt like God just led us right to her. So yeah. that was a really cool moment. Yeah. My other one, and I think everybody who's got come consistently, every volunteer who's been there on a regular basis, starts to build a connection with at least one person. So just to share one, that moment for me, um, it was a couple weeks ago. I've had a couple of them, but this one was really special to me. Um, I was walking down the street and I met someone named Gloria and she mentioned that she needed some help with turning over her garden. And I recently had just done that for my own garden. And so I told her I'd come sometime after school that week and I would help her. Um, and so then I went over there and as I was turning over her garden and planting her plants, she sat there and talked with me the whole time and we got to know each other really well. And so the next month that we went out there, I was really excited to be able to go and see her and talk to her again and see how our garden was doing and, um, and invite her to come out and sit with us at the park. <laughs> previously, we'd met her before, but she told us, no, she's good. She doesn't need us to, we, she didn't want to come over and like, sit down with us. But she came over, she brought two of her sisters and two of her nieces with her, and she sat the whole time with us and 
hung out and it was really special. Yeah. So. Oh, man, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. For me talking about shed, my first time over there, Cody said, Hey, we were looking for a house to do a work camp on. Let's go over and look at it. And shed is connected to this house. I had not met shed. Didn't have a clue who she was. And so we were looking at it and, and Cody said, all right, well, let me call her and see if she can come over. And so he called her and said, Hey, we're here at your house. She said, yeah, I already know it. My neighbors called me and said, Hey, there's two guys walking around your house. <laughs> it's a very tight knit community, formerly known as Blissville. So much history with ninth street and one of the houses that we um, scraped on that people used to live there. They would walk over and work on ninth street and just so much history. And it's so cool for me. Um, of realizing that God does the growing mm. because I've met so many, I'm going to say guys that are in their thirties and forties that have been there and they're like, man, I want to get back. I'm thinking about, I can't remember his first name, but last name Buchanan. I want to get back. I, I, I need to get back to God. Yeah. I'm going to come visit. Now there've been a couple who have come in and out. Sure. I, we all wish there had been more, but that's not our job. Our job is to plant and let God give the increase. So on that line, like planting, letting God, what, what, what would be from where you are right now? And, uh, you know, there's a mystery to that. These aren't things that we just make happen, right? Um, but what would you hope to see? If you kind of fast forward five, ten years from now, what would you kind of hope that we're kind of shooting towards? Um, I think that I would hope to see people who love God going out and serving in whatever way is needed. And so in a few years from now, I think Adopt-A-Block might look totally different based on what the community actually needs. Um, it may be something that we expand and are doing in lots of different communities too. But I think the main thing I hope to see is people understanding that Jesus called us to go and that really means something. And the body of Christ needs to get out there and just love people the way that Jesus did. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Hey, Brian, um, you're one of the elders here at the church in at Central, and I, I know that when we were, when I was interviewing, we were kind of coming, uh, like, uh, Dr. Block is one of those things that you guys, the elders here, spoke of in saying, you know, we're, we're really proud of what this group is doing. We're, we're proud of what's happening there. Can you kind of speak to a little bit about how things like this, not just this, but how things like this fit into kind of a vision for Central and who Central is in the community like, how does this kind of work into the overall picture of Central? When we moved down here 15, 20 years ago, it was our plan to get involved in the community. Like, so when you say we, I just want to, because everybody, there may be a lot of people that are new and don't realize that this church, this congregation that's here, this group of people used to worship on the other side of town. Yeah. Out, out west. John Barrow Road. Yeah. Okay. So, so when we moved, you mean when the church moved to downtown? Yeah. Fair enough, yes. So, yes, but when Barrow Road, we came down here at the congregation, and um, over the years, we just, it just didn't ever really happen. And we kept asking ourselves and our members asking us, if we were to shut our doors and leave, would this community know? And that answer would not have been a resounding yes. And uh, right before COVID hit, you know, this is probably two and a half years ago, the Shepherds, we sat upstairs and we had a map of downtown Little Rock. And we were talking about, all right, we want to get involved in this community. How do we do it? What does that look like? We didn't have a clue. And we were praying about it. And we were talking about the school over here. 
And we're talking about, man, how cool would it be to have people come down, teachers want to move in here and be a part of the school. I don't know if you ever knew that or not, because Joanna, as part of all this, has moved and she is now over here working at MLK Elementary as a librarian. And so that was just a prayer that had been prayed that you, you didn't even know. And is that our whole identity as a church? Not at all. But working in that community is one of our identities. And we want to be working with children. We want to work with adults. We just want, we want to be the light just to make a difference, to be the difference, to be the salt, the, the flavor in our families, in our communities, at the ballpark, at Wade's Community Pool, wherever, wherever it is that we are the light and making a difference and people see us. And I think that's great. And I, I kind of heard that. I heard as we were kind of thinking about it, I heard that vision, that idea of we want to make a difference where we are. And I, that was one of the things that was so compelling to me about like Central and being a part of the team here um, is that I really think that's part of our identity. I think that's part of the DNA of the church here. I hope that keeps growing. All right, so real quickly, what's next on the schedule? Kind of think about like what's uh, coming up soon. What, what's the next way that if people wanted to jump into this particular thing, what, what would be the next time? Um, we are having another adopt a on July 9th. July 9th, okay. Another one in August. So we have it monthly, so you can always volunteer. We normally post on the central page a way that you could volunteer. Even if you can't make it out, you can help provide some of the food that we give for them at the park and then uh, we'd love to have you actually come out and volunteer and start getting to know the people that are there because um, we always can use people to walk and help pick up trash if you're not comfortable doing that though I mean you can stay and hang out at the park you can play with kids if you want to teach the bible lesson you can let me know we've kind of got a little schedule but um, yeah there's a lot of different ways that like if you don't feel comfortable doing one thing there's another 10 other things that you could probably be participating in to help with the doctor block. And for me, when I do new stuff and I don't necessarily know if I feel comfortable with it and all that kind of stuff, my favorite, I just want to come watch, right? And uh, I kind of want to come and be like a wingman with somebody that uh, already knows what they're doing. So, you know, listen, you don't need to feel a lot of, I, I would say, and I haven't been yet, okay? I haven't had a chance to come yet, but uh, I would just give you advice. If you haven't done something like this yet, then don't feel like, oh, I've got to go and I'm, I'm on July 9th, I have to go change the city. You know, no, you just, you show up and that starts, you know, and over time showing up makes a difference and you learn and you listen and all that kind of stuff. You find out nothing. And that, also just remember, like, even for me, who's been doing it for a year, every morning that we have adopted block, I come up with things that I would rather do. I feel like, oh my goodness, I can't do this today. This is, I get a little bit of social anxiety or a fear going into it. I'm, I don't feel equipped to do it but i always feel better after i try mm -hmm. and like he said you can come and watch if you want to tag on a team that's been going out and meeting people and just pick up trash and watch that's totally fine like take small steps but yeah. understand that if you're having anxiety or doubts about it you're not the only one like people who have been doing it over and over again like we talk about it a lot in that 20s group is that it's hard to get out there but it's rewarding when you do yeah, very good. Even every time I've been out there, I have had a meaningful conversation with an adult. Mm. Sometimes I've not played with any kids. I've talked with their parents. Yeah. And it's not about church and Bible class. 
It's about NBA. It's about the weather. It's about everything. And where we want to go one day, and I hope we start a Bible study. It would be awesome to take that whole community and assimilate them here at Central. I don't know that that's going to be God's plan. Mm-hmm. And one day, if that, if this ministry grows and we plant a church over there, how cool would that be? Because yeah. it's about growing the kingdom yeah. wherever it is. All right. Hey, thank you guys. Thanks for sharing that um, bit of testimony with us. You guys can um, have a seat. Um, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate all that. And listen, um, it's not necessarily, this isn't necessarily meant to be a pitch for Adopt-A-Block uh, in particular, okay? It may be that, um, that what, what we're really looking to do is uh, help you have an imagination of different ways that you can plug into this work of making a difference in the life of the city. And that may be, okay, maybe that you go on July 9th or whenever and you do Adopt-A-Block, Okay. Or it may mean that you do something else. It may mean you do something different. I think we start in the business of making a difference in the life of the city. Our first real step, and this may sound really general, our first step is to make sure that we're people who are always listening. Listening to who? Well, we listen to each other. So we hear stories of this group that's doing Adopt-A-Block and we pay attention to what they're doing. We think, well, maybe I can be a part of that, okay? We also pay attention to our neighbors. We think about what's important there. What are the different things that they're experiencing? What are the challenges that they're dealing with? Or maybe we're paying attention to, you know, people that we work with, or people that our kids go to school with, people that we sit on the sidelines with at soccer games. We just start listening and listening and listening. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we find that when we're listening to people, we're actually listening to God. Because God's spirit begins to kind of create an imagination in us about what it might mean to be salt and light in all of those different spaces. There's a little uh, parable, um, and I don't know, it's, it's like a preacher's story, right? But uh, it's, where I've heard it is from Mennonite communities, and who knows where it actually started. With the, this man that was asked, And he's asked, says, somebody comes up to him and says, sir, are you a Christian? And he takes a second. He says, that's a good question. To know the answer, I think you would really have to ask my neighbor. I think you'd have to ask my neighbor. Because ultimately, What I say may not be as important as what the people who live around me and who aren't just giving words, but who are, who actually had a chance to give witness and see what it is that I do with my faith. What is it that I do with the stuff that Jesus has taught me? I mean, it may be that I have an idea that I'm being soft and I'm being light. 
But do my neighbors think that? Do they perceive the light of Jesus? Do they perceive that I'm giving something flavor, good flavor to their community? Jesus says that those people that are being light, the light of the world, they do it so that other people will see their good deeds and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And maybe it's true not just for individuals, but maybe churches too need to think, what kind of a church is central? Well, maybe to find out, you really have to ask our neighbors. I mean, it's one thing for us to say things about who we are ourselves. But what do our neighbors say? What do they understand about the way of Jesus because of the way that we live? Listen, Jesus says to us the most improbable thing in the world. He says, you You, these just beginning disciples that were just starting out, that Jesus had already described as being the poor in spirit and the persecuted, the people that are mourning. Jesus says, even though you're all those things, turns out you're also the very salt of the earth. You are the very light of the world. And it's not because of their incredible, all-inspiring personalities. It's because they were people who were learning to follow in the way of Jesus. And so may it be among us, too. May people see your work, your life. May people see our work, our life together. 